Hey, this is Todd Brown. Hello, this is Yara Stark. Hi, everyone. This is Sarah Senecroce from Simplicity, Simple Small Business Solutions, and you're listening to Traffic Jam. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up, listeners? Welcome back to Traffic Jam. This is show number 65 of the podcast that teaches you how to get more traffic to your website and build a profitable audience online. Now, today we're going to be talking about LinkedIn, one of the most requested topics by show uh, listeners of recent times. So I thought it's about time that we revisited the topic especially because LinkedIn is such a fast moving platform of late. And I really wanted to bring you up to speed with what's working now straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, bringing an expert on who's doing really good stuff with the platform. So in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with Sarah Santa Croce. But before that, I want to give a quick shout out and thank you to a few loyal show listeners, Lucas, Ernesto and Jim, all of whom have stopped by the episode pages of Traffic jam either to leave a comment or a question now it's exactly where you should be heading to because each and every episode comes with a bunch of bonuses normally including a transcript and an mp3 download but in the case of today's session we've also got a linkedin checklist a day-to-day cheat sheet that will tell you exactly the tasks that you should be conducting on linkedin both daily weekly and monthly and that's been provided by sarah santa croce our guest on this episode. So to get access to that, go to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 65. That's trafficjamcast.com forward slash 65. Why not head on over there right now? Go grab your bonuses and then listen on to the show. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. So before we dive into today's interview, let's introduce our show guest, Now, as mentioned at the top of the show, her name is Sarah Santa Croce and she's from the website simplicitysmallbiz.com, which is a site that I was very lucky to be interviewed for just recently. And then now I'm returning the favour by interviewing Sarah for Traffic Jam. So looking forward to diving in and tapping her knowledge on LinkedIn, which is one of our main areas of expertise. But in fact, she does teach small business owners, entrepreneurs and uh, solopreneurs as well all around the world on all aspects of internet marketing. But LinkedIn is definitely her forte. She's produced a couple of courses on the topic already and she's been doing some really good stuff on the platform of late which is exactly why I wanted to invite her onto the show. So I guess without any further ado let's welcome to Traffic Jam Sarah Santa Croce from SimplicitySmallBiz.com. So hey there, listener. It's been a good six months since we last focused a show on the LinkedIn platform. So I wanted to invite onto Traffic Jam a LinkedIn specialist to talk about the changes and what's working right now on the world's number one professional network. So join me in welcoming to the show, Sarah Santa Croce. Hi, James. Thanks so much for having me. 
Thank you for coming on board. This is going to be interesting. We'll, I think, touch upon a lot of what's been happening on LinkedIn in recent times. And I think we'll start by talking about what seems to be a fairly big and bold change on LinkedIn's part. And that seems to be this kind of movement on the platform from what used to be a pure one-to-one networking platform to what's now more of a kind of a broadcast or content sort of platform. What do you believe was the reason on LinkedIn's part for this kind of recent move and change in direction for them? Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, very good point. I think what they announced uh, probably already a year and a half ago um, is that they want to become the number one platform for professional content. So that was really their goal um, in order to, you know, change that mentality of, oh, yeah, LinkedIn is just a place where I post my profile, my CV, and then never go back to it. Well, they want their users to go back to it, um, hopefully on a daily basis. And in order to achieve that, well, they needed to create a, a, a real social but professional platform. And so I think that was really the the, the move they had in mind. And I think they're doing a, a decent job because, as you said, more and more content is being shared, professional content, and uh, we can go into the different, um, you know, kind of uh, functionalities in, in a little bit. But that was really their goal is to have people come to LinkedIn to get their dose of content uh, on a daily basis. Two of my prior guests, in fact, Larry Kim and Neil Patel have both been very successful in generating a lot of traffic, essentially by using LinkedIn like they would do Twitter. And by that, I mean, basically accepting and adding as many connections as they can in order to build a large audience for their content. Do you kind of agree with this sort of shotgun style approach that those two guys have adopted? It definitely helps with visibility. I always say a small network gives you small visibility. So it always depends on your business model, on your objectives. Um, Obviously, if you have an online business like Neil Patel, yes, it makes sense. However, if there's listeners here who are, you know, maybe they're at a corporate and they're just using LinkedIn to build their own personal brand um, or you have a business, but it's a local business, well, then I wouldn't agree with that um, connection strategy because you really want to build a network in this case. Yes, that has a decent number of connections, but that also, um, you know, where you value the relationships more than the numbers. Uh, For me, LinkedIn, if you really want success, it's about building relationships. So uh, Neil Patel is using it for the visibility and I'm sure he got success with that. But I'd say it's more the relationships that count on LinkedIn. Does LinkedIn operate in a similar fashion to Facebook in terms of its algorithm? I'm sure the content that's popping up in yours and my newsfeed um, is based on some form of algorithmic structure, i.e. the people that we have been potentially connecting with most. So if that is the case, can it actually affect us if we build too large an audience and fewer of those people are actually engaging with the content or engaging with us personally on the platform? That's a good question. LinkedIn doesn't really, um, you know, disclose that much information about their algorithm. But yes, I, I'm sure there is an algorithm in place and it will affect, um, you know, interactions uh, and, and, and engagement will affect uh, how you use, uh, how successful you are with the platform. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess it's always the marketing 
case that you really should be connecting with those people that are either your ideal target audience or your ideal audience in terms of sort of content connectors or or whatever else. You've got to really know who you're trying to talk to because anyone outside of that is essentially noise for you, isn't it? Exactly. Yes. And, and that's, I think that's what's different on LinkedIn. Uh, when I teach, you know, LinkedIn to sales professionals, for example, uh, a lot of people are still in that mindset. Oh, I have to like mass um, produce or ma- mass blast things out. Um, LinkedIn is not like that. You can, you know, get so much information about an individual that you can then really target your information. And so if you're prospecting on LinkedIn, for example, well, you're, you don't want to prospect with, you know, 200 people and send them all the same information. Um, you want to really get into the details and see if this is an actual fit for whatever you're trying to sell them. Yeah. Well, let's continue our discussion around LinkedIn Pulse, because that has been the major development, at least in recent times. And I think now it's not just open to influencers as it was originally, but it's really open to everyone. I can see that you yourself have been posting quite regularly to LinkedIn posts. Can you share any of your sort of success stories or results that you've been able to achieve with the, uh, I think, sort of 35 or so articles you've posted so far by looking at your LinkedIn profile? What sort of results have you got? Um, it, it's interesting. When it first launched, like you said, it was uh, still closed. And so you had to submit some uh, kind of like uh, thumbprints, you know, like they wanted to look at your uh, at some of your posts you submit, submitted. And, um, and back then, the results were just amazing. Um, and, and I hear that from other colleagues that you could get really big numbers, uh, big views on your posts because it was still closed. Now that it's open, yes, you can still do uh, quite a bit of, um, get quite some results. And, and what's nice is that you can reach outside of your LinkedIn network. So people always think, oh, I'm, I'm just going to reach my connections. But no, it can go viral, right? And if it uh, gets picked up by LinkedIn themselves, so it gets added to a category in the pulse, then uh, you can really hit the chatbot and, and go really big. But I would say, um, just like with Facebook, you know, um, there's so much content being shared on Facebook that eventually, you know, the numbers went down. And I kind of see the same thing happening on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, touch wood, hopefully it, we're not going to have a Facebook situation where you actually have to pay to, to get visibility. It's a big topic and we are approaching this point, not just on the social platforms, but really the internet as a whole, where we're facing content shock, the idea that there's more content out there than can ever be consumed. So it's going to get essentially diminishing returns as we go on. But I've certainly noticed it myself, you know, being on LinkedIn is that I'm getting far more notifications now than I ever have done before about you know, content pieces being posted. I'm just wondering, you know, really how much visibility over time they can possibly get because we are limited in terms of our capacity to consume content as consumers, hey? Exactly. Well, let's talk about how we might craft an effective post for Pulse. What are your top tips on both creating a content piece that hopefully could go viral or at least get some increased exposure and then perhaps your tips on promoting it to get a larger audience well it always comes down to the title just like any other blog post the title is uh, what makes a reader click or not click to to read it so 
obviously the title needs to be you know sexy and um, you know appealing to the to the audience you're writing to and then what i i think the errors that i see most often um is is people don't use it well maybe it's because people are not used to writing blog posts on and so they just go on linkedin and say hey I can just write, you know, write my text in here. Um, it's just like any other blog post. You need to create paragraphs. You need the, to use the, the headings, the different headings. Uh, you can embed images. You can embed rich media. Uh, so, for example, a YouTube video. Um, so that that stuff obviously is important. It needs to be um, appealing to the eye, to the reader. When he reads it, it's not just one big block of text. Um, otherwise, nobody's going to read your post. I always recommend also to, at the bottom, include a, a, a small bio. So, yes, we know that it already at the top, it says this has been published by Sarah Sinekroch and they see your picture. But if they're at the bottom of the post, they don't know who wrote this article if they just come, you know, via a, a link, for example. So it's always good to have a, a little bio at the bottom of the post and tell them, remind them who, who's written this article. Um, there's a whole discussion going around about duplicate content, and you're probably you know, the right person to uh, ask you this. My opinion and what I've heard is, um, you know, yes, it's duplicate content, but it doesn't matter that much um, as long as you always link back to the original post and, and you kind of adapt the content in uh, in LinkedIn to your LinkedIn audience a little bit. So maybe just for the audience, duplicate content would be if you copy a post that you've originally posted on your blog and just republish it on LinkedIn. But I'm cu curious to, to hear your opinion, James. Yeah, well, from what I understand, if you basically use a hyperlink that might say something like originally posted on as you would do typically with kind of other content syndication platforms that should be enough to tell google and other search engines that that is where the originating piece of content lives i'm not quite sure if you can actually post a canonical url to linkedin which is essentially the you can't the technical term yeah so you can't do that i think you know, based on that, then the, the other method of just saying, hey, this is originally posted on should be enough for the search engines to determine that. But it opens up an interesting sort of line of conversation. Would you typically use Pulse for syndicated content? So almost like an outpost for, you know, really good core piece of content that was originally created on your blog. Perhaps you can then maybe adjust it, rewrite it, reformat it a little bit for it LinkedIn and give it a new audience there. It's funny because I kind of changed my opinion in the beginning. I was saying, telling my clients, no, just you know, create unique content on LinkedIn. But let's face it; I mean, there's just not enough time in our week to create that much content. And so most clients told me, well, I just don't have it, have the time. And so now I'm telling them, okay, go look at your Google Analytics and kind of search for the uh, content on your blog that has been previously posted that got a lot of traffic. And so, you know, this must be good content and, and then just kind of republish it. But yes, not just copy paste it, but maybe create, you know, a couple of new paragraphs and then link back to the original post on your blog. I think for most of my clients who are small business owners, this is a strategy that works for them. 
Of course, ideally, yes, you would create unique content for LinkedIn. Um, that would be the best. <laughs> and I guess final sort of question around Pulse is what type of content works best? Is it just purely blog style content or have you found that perhaps sort of image assets like infographics, you know, perform also well on the platform? What can you post there? Uh, you, yeah, you can definitely um, post infographics. I'm not sure that just an infographic that I I think that would not work on on LinkedIn. The LinkedIn user is, you know, a professional user who wants to get more details than rather than just a visual. So mm. I would um, go into a bit more details. Um, it, it would have to be content obviously that that fits that linkedin audience and and uh, you know it really gets them interested so it depends i guess on your on your uh, business as well so if you're if you're a business owner that you know is in the creative field i don't know you're a jewelry maker well obviously your linkedin audience is not on link uh, your audience is not on linkedin and so don't even waste your time writing on linkedin publisher yeah yeah so I would say it, it's it's professional content. Well, let's lay out some action steps perhaps for our listener around Pulse. So your advice is to go and check your website analytics and find what content pieces are performing well. I guess some other places you could go to would be things like BuzzSumo, which might tell you about the social traction that your content has generated. That might be a good place to look. Then reformat the content for LinkedIn. Make sure it's chunked down, that you're using appropriate headers and titles, that you have a compelling headline to your article. And then importantly, at the bottom, that you include a bio and a link back off to the original piece of content. Would that seem fair? Yeah, that sounds good. Sometimes also business owners have um, submitted articles to magazines, print magazines, and they don't have anything on their blog about that. So that would be a good strategy also to repurpose the content uh, on LinkedIn Publisher. Yeah, definitely. Well, a couple of other additions to LinkedIn recently has been their acquisition of Newsly and SlideShare, which I guess also supports their new direction toward a content platform. As marketers, where do these applications fit in our LinkedIn strategy and should we indeed be using them? Um, well, I actually don't know about Newsly, so that's new to me. I have to look that up. But SlideShare is definitely... Um, you know, it's another content uh, platform, but that's more visual, but it's also a very professional platform because a lot of business professionals use PowerPoint presentations, you know, do presentations in business. And so it's, it's nice to have those together and uh, be able to embed PowerPoint presentations on your uh, profile, for example. Yeah. And I've also seen that they can rank quite well in search, often above, you know, LinkedIn profiles themselves. They seem to, I don't know whether the, there's full follow links at play there or what quite is happening, but they seems to perform quite well in Google search. So that's another little technique you might want to, to look out for. Now, aside from Pulse, SlideShare and those few other things, I guess the core of LinkedIn is still the LinkedIn profile. That's where we kind of base most of our activities. What advice do you have 
have for optimizing your LinkedIn profile to A, attract more search traffic, and then perhaps also then to move that traffic away from the outpost of LinkedIn to your home base, such as your company website or your personal website? Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that the LinkedIn profile is kind of like a a mini website. And so uh, apart from having to be complete and and, and visually attractive, it also needs to be search engine optimized because LinkedIn has its own internal search engine. And so that means using keywords, placing them in strategic locations as, for example, the headline. Um, That's probably the biggest mistake I see on people make on their profile is that they use the headline, so that's the line underneath your your name. Um, they use that as a job title, so they would say owner at Traffic Jam, for example. Well, um, why is that wrong? Because owner is very generic. Every company has an owner, and people are not going to be searching for owner in the search bar if they're looking for someone like you who's an SEO specialist. Uh, And using the company name in the headline is also a bad idea because people don't know or, you know, it's kind of like on Google, people tell me, oh, yeah, but I do show up for simplicity. Well, yeah, okay, I understand that, but that's not what people are are searching for. Well, on LinkedIn, it's the same thing. You don't want to use your company name because people don't know your company name if they don't know you yet. So that's the, the one thing uh, on in your headline, you need to describe what it is you bring to the table, um, what your specialties are, use your keywords in that headline. Yeah, well, I'm just looking at yours now and I can see that you state that you're a small business digital marketing consultant, which I guess could be the type of terms that people are searching. And then you've also stated who you help and kind of why, um, which is also, I guess, a positioning statement. You don't want to just list kind of what you do. You want to let people know how you can help, which obviously is effective. But I'm also just scrolling down your profile. I can see some unusual things that I haven't necessarily noticed elsewhere. And if I go down to your interests, I can see that some of your interests that you've listed there are probably chosen with LinkedIn search in mind, for instance, would that be the case? Yeah, I'm, I'm totally against keyword stuffing, um, you know, LinkedIn profiles. Um, that, that just doesn't look good if you put your keywords in every section. But the interest section is kind of a nice way to hide some keywords because it's, it's, it's all that is. It's just a, a list of interests and most people use it for hobbies and yes, it's nice to add some you know, personal interest in there, but it's also a nice place where you can hide some keywords. So what I usually tell my clients is to copy all your skills and paste them into the interest section. So you kind of have your uh, keywords in, in both locations. Another tip there is to use common misspellings of your name. So, you know, my name is really difficult to spell. And so I've hidden some uh, misspellings in that interest section as well. Interesting. And I also see that just scanning through the profile itself, you've got numerous calls to action to various places, be it, you know, LinkedIn groups that may be of interest to, to people. Obviously, you've got your email, you've got telephone number it's not often used, right? I mean, if we look at the average LinkedIn profile, it very much is a biography or a CV of information, but it doesn't really 
get or compel anyone to take any course of action. So mm-hmm. what would you recommend as kind of some good strategies to move people you know, away from LinkedIn to appropriate places that might move them along that customer journey with you? Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing you could do is customize your website links. At the very top of the profile, we have the option to send people to um, different pages and by default, it would say company page or blog or personal website. That's, you know, okay. It's uh, Some people might click on it, but if you actually customize it, you can make it into a call to action. And I think I have something like, you know, free ebook or, or check out this and that. And so you can send them to a specific page. So that could be, for example, a landing page. And so you send them to the landing page, they sign up to your list and we all know we all that that's the one place that we where we want our people is on our email list. And so that's a, a good way to send people over. Uh, unfortunately, that um, those website links are now much more hidden than they used to be. So um, you know it's it's good for people who are already connected with you, but otherwise people won't won't see that that uh, hidden section there. So there's other ways to to use links for example in rich media files you can add a link to a landing page and linkedin will then automatically pull in the picture of that landing page and so when people click on it it will link then forward to to your landing page so uh, different options to yeah to send people to specific uh pages on your website Excellent. Well, I'm going to make sure that your LinkedIn profile, of course, is included in the show notes page because as a mini case study and an example for our listeners, I'm sure there's plenty of learnings that they can gain from checking that out. Before we sort of wrap things up on LinkedIn itself, where else should we be spending our time on the platform? I think there's still quite a lot of advocates of LinkedIn groups and a few other things. Where would you suggest our listener spend any further time they might have for LinkedIn? Yeah, there's definitely the groups, um, search for groups where your target audience hangs out. A lot of um, people, clients are still spending too much time on groups where their peers hang out. You want to think about your clients, customers, prospects. So that's the groups that you want to be active on. Um, So that's definitely still a a big thing. And then um, we didn't have time to talk about the company page. Um, well, if you're a bigger company, you're an agency, that's another thing you need to be using. And it's nice because you can use it as a team. So it's not just you uh, publishing content, but your whole team or your, yeah, your, your, your employees can also publish content through that company page. Often I see company pages that have been created, but companies don't really understand that, oh, once you created it, you you should actually be using it just like your personal profile to um, share content. So it all comes down to building a, you know, an editorial calendar and make sure that uh, there's valuable content being shared with the followers. I always love the conversations that we have before these interviews because I often find out about little gems and I found out about a new tool today which I hadn't seen or heard of before and that's Listly. I think you've been using it and getting quite good results with curated lists. I think before we round out the episode, you'd probably tell us what you've been doing there. Uh Listly is a tool uh, or yeah, a tool where you can build lists uh, so you would have a top 10 list, uh, 
of um, you know LinkedIn experts, or you can have a top ten list of best LinkedIn posts for business, things like that. And then you can just kind of pull in the different articles. And it will generate a nice uh, list for you that you can then embed on your WordPress website, for example. With a, they have a lot, nice little plugin uh, that you can use. And so it, it generates traffic, of course, to your website, but also on Listly itself. And um, you and I both know that people love lists. So uh, it's, it's really a tool that, that uh, works great and, and keeps sending traffic to you. Mm-hmm. Very nice. I guess it's like a, a tool that expands on the concept of the the roundup post where you call on experts perhaps that may contribute to. And that's a fantastic traffic source. If you could be mentioning influencers, there's a good chance that they might want to go and promote your content themselves. So yeah, good tool. Well, we'll make sure that that's linked off to in the episode page for Traffic Jam 65. But before we round things out, Sarah, I'm sure there's listeners out there wanting to find out a little bit more about you and perhaps what you've got to offer. So where should we send people off to? Um, different things. Well, my website is simplicitysmallbiz.com. You can look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, one thing that I, I did mention is customization of invitations. Uh, I won't accept your invitation um, if you just send me the customized one because I don't know that you've listened to this uh, podcast. So make sure you, you mention the podcast and be happy to connect with you and make sure you use for everyone. Um, so yeah, check me out on, on LinkedIn. I also have a LinkedIn challenge that I host um, twice a year, but now I'm changing one of them to French because I also have a French audience. So next one won't be until December, but you can look up the LinkedIn challenge, LinkedIn group. And uh, that's a group that I'm running uh, close to a thousand members now. And we just answer any kind of LinkedIn questions. So I look forward to seeing you on that group. And uh, what else? Did I give you any other links, James? LinkedIn for B2B success was something that you mentioned to me. So I guess we should probably include that as well. Yeah, that's a that's an online video course that I created for small business owners, entrepreneurs wanting to use LinkedIn for their business. And so it's a 15 part video course. Well, you, the listener, if you've been listening to Traffic Jam for some time, you will know where all of those resources and links live. And that's on the episode page for today's show, which today you get to by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 65. And that's the number 65. Awesome. Well, let's wrap things up there. Been a great show and really, really beneficial, certainly to me to kind of get up to date on what's happening with LinkedIn. And I'm sure our listeners have also gained as much value as I have. So thank you. Thank you, James. It was a pleasure. So thank you to Sarah from SimplicitySmallBiz.com. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening into episode 65 of Traffic Jam. Of course, we'll be back next week with another awesome episode and awesome guest as well. In the meantime, remember that we have a bunch of goodies available for this show, which you can access by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash 65. That's Traffic Jam 
podcast.com forward slash 65, where Sarah's kindly donated a daily LinkedIn task sheet. Want to know what you need to do on LinkedIn daily, weekly and monthly? Then you'll find out in a very convenient checklist provided by Sarah. So go get your hands on that. Also on the episode page, you'll find a full transcript of today's session plus an MP3 download as well. Now, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher Radio, which you do by going to trafficjamcast.com forward slash iTunes or trafficjamcast.com forward slash Stitcher. Now, of course, we end the show with the Traffic Jam. It is chosen by our guest today, Sarah Santa Croce, and she's gone for a song called I Need My Girl, and it's by The National. So enjoy the track, and I'll see you back here, well, in about seven days from now. See you then. I am good, I am grounded, Davy said. That I look taller I can't get my head around it I keep feeling smaller and smaller I need my girl I need my girl Remember when you lost your shit into the garden You got out and said I'm sorry To the vines No one saw me. Oh,
get my head around it I keep feeling smaller and smaller Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website trafficjamcast.com.